0: We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Good evening, folks. You're listening to The Hour of the Time. I'm William Cooper. chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is is your song veteran of three foreign wars entrepreneur and warrior poet Tony Arterburn takes on the issues facing our country civilization and planet this is the Arterburn radio transmission The wretch, considered all in self, living shall forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down, to the vile dust from whence he sprung, unwept. Unhonored and unsung. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Arterburn Radio Transmission. I am your host, Tony Arterburn. I was reading an excerpt from a poem on the movie Groundhog Day because it is Groundhog Day. It is February 2nd, 2024. It's the 33rd day of the year. I'll talk a little bit about the uh, philosophy of Groundhog Day. I want to get into that a little bit there's a lot to learn from the movie it's not just a movie it's not just a comedy with bill murray there's life lessons it's metaphysical and i was looking at the headlines today just getting back into the shop and i didn't uh, do a broadcast as my at my normal time on free world uh, just a lot of thing going on at uh, at wise wolf and so i um i wanted to talk just get off get off topic get off politics for a second and we're still going to go over some headlines and you know i'm always broadcasting i got beans the brave here We're always broadcasting in defiance of globalist goblins, the neocons, the New World Order, the Build Back Better, Biden, above Baphomet, Bilderberg, Bohemian Grove, Bankster Bunch. Well, let's let's get into some headlines first and then we'll circle back to uh, talking a little bit about Groundhog Day. (laughs) And I desperately want to get away from from politics. It is it's the PSYOP is so strong. And I, I don't know, you know, again, I'm supposed to be interested. And every week I, I start thinking about, well, we got, you know, this election coming up and it's, it's for the first time in my life. I don't see anything in the election that interests me other than what's happening at the border with Texas, what's happening on the grassroots level. I, I have some, some, uh, schadenfreude from the, the, the German word for you, uh, you have a little bit of joy when you see somebody else going through the gauntlet maybe somebody that deserves it i there's some politicians that are on the uh well they're on the docket to to lose an election and especially where i'm from i'm watching some of that happen and i i do have to say it's it's been a long time coming i see and i won't mention names if you know me then you know what i'm watching and it is interesting to see that i i do get a, a little bit of a grin especially people you know, these types there, and I was told by this person and I've been in politics a while that I wasn't political. I wasn't political enough. And I always thought that was interesting uh, because I know a great deal about history and I know strategy and, and politics have always interest me, but there is something different about being political because being political means that you are a shapeshifter of some kind, like you literally change and and you morph into the the thing that is most palatable to the public at the time, instead of being on principle or having ideals that you hold tight within your in your in your uh, solar plexus that you believe in. You morph and you change. Well, eventually time runs out for. And it's kind of like zero hedge, the uh, the website for articles. You know, and it gets that it gets that name from the movie Fight Club, where he says, you know, on a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everybody drops to zero, and that's where you get zero hedge. And that's true for a politician. So it's interesting to watch, and um, you know, I think that that's a big part of the future is going to be uh, losing a portion of our society when it comes losing a portion of what we believe, uh, you know, politics to be. And I mean, like the class of people that have made a career, I think the career politician is going to become sort of like a dinosaur. Uh, It won't work. It won't work in the challenges that we have ahead. It'll be kind of like when the films from the You know the the early twentieth century, the teens and the twenties, when they were silent movies, and along came the talkies. You know, became sound, and there was no longer the vaudevillian, you know, guy with the piano in the theater doing all the music for for the films. In live, it was you know projected through the the film themselves, and and those silent film actors, just a lot of them didn't make it. They didn't make the transition to the talkies, and I think that's what's happening a lot with our political process. And I'm you know, pulling up the headlines on drudge. I, I don't even, I don't even know what to make. I know that, you know, obviously operation mockingbird. I know that, uh, <laughs> the alphabet agencies, uh, this is what they want me to think about. Let's look at, let's look at the headlines on drudge. I, I really want to see, uh, <laughs> let's see, see what the take is here. Uh, Biden privately slams the sick f Trump. Okay. Um <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I don't know where to begin um uh, with that and there's so much there's so much to unpack with what what Joe Biden is. And I I guess it depends on what the definition of is is, but I I don't even really know where to where to take a, a critique of Joe Biden. He's such you know you they ran him as like a you know a He's your crazy uncle, and he's he's uh, he's tired of all the malarkey. And really, what he is, he's just a soulless globalist puppet. Like it, it's so clear. He doesn't believe in anything. I, I've seen two articles pop up in the last uh, two three weeks where they're you know running snippets of Biden you know in two thousand seven and and previous times talking about constitutional foreign policy. Or talking about how a nation can't uh, be a nation can't be sovereign nation can't be anything unless it has a border, and, and then you fast forward all these years later, and he just again he never believed those things. Those things were stuff that he and issues that he talked about at the time. Again, that's opening up my show talking about politicos, the the political people. That's what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean you don't again you can you can be interested in politics and i think uh, channeling something leon trotsky said about war you may not be interested in war but war is interested in you what's well, the same thing about politics you may not be interested in politics but politics is interested in you and i think that's what we're we need to understand when it, in the, this political theater and you're talking about well it's a selection and none of it's real well they have it might be fake but it has real consequences that's why we study it You know, it's what Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu's maximum of know your enemy is so very important now. Because your enemy is the ruling class, the elite, the uh, puppet masters, and the people that you don't see. You know, again, uh, we have so much theater here, so much WWE. It's scripted. And now we have the left-right paradigm, the two parties going at each other. And I don't want to get into that too much because... It is this a massive divide. So let's go more into the intel. Here's a here's something interesting on Drudge. You've got record U.S. oil production frustrates OPEC cuts. Now that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, with all the hobbling and all the regulation and everything that the Biden administration did when it took office, and he cut the the Keystone XL pipeline, basically told Saudi Arabia. That we're going green. Saudi Arabia shifted away from the shifting away from U.S. influence to China. And there's been talk of a petro-yuan. By the way, Saudi Arabia officially joins BRICS. And why that's not plastered everywhere on every financial headline, I think that's the tell. Right. These these things that are happening right now. And we're going to get to an article on inflation because everybody's still waiting. Well, inflation has been on its tackle. We, Jerome Powell told me that there's a terminal rate and we hit. Yeah. Well, there's some problems with the fact that you can't really you can't put the horse back in the barn. Once you've once you've destroyed the purchasing power of a fiat currency, it doesn't rebound to its previous state. It's kind of like once you've expanded your mind, you know, and and that's kind of the inverse, like once you've grown and once you've accepted an idea or you become a bigger person, it's hard for you to go back to the same person that caused the problems that you need to solve in the first place. That's one of the things you learn when you really study like self-improvement or goal setting. Like you have to become a bigger person, a better person than the person who started the problem in the first place. Well, that's kind of the inverse. Uh, an example of what happens to fiat currency because it's on a long enough timeline, it's zero hedge as well. It goes to zero, and we'll talk about that. But you know, record U.S. oil production, another jobs blowout. They say thirty three hundred fifty three thousand jobs added in January. Okay, well, i I think um, uh, we're running some. The numbers are being fudged, and I've talked about this. Uh, I remember back during the the height of the, the Mac, the jab mandates and all these, you know, corporations were lining up to make sure that their employees got all the uh, mandatory jabs and operation warp speed. And they would say, well, there's a a million or 2 million new job openings. And I'm like, yeah, because they fired that many people, they let millions and millions of people go. So, you know, having something added to the roles is not, (laughs) it's, it's not new. It's uh, again. It's a consequence of having a job opening. You got rid of someone, and so there's all these jobs. Cudlow, Larry Cudlow praises Biden economy. "Quote: I was wrong. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how much out of context that is, but would that even surprise anybody? I remember seeing a great interview with uh, Larry Cudlow. This was years ago. This is how my mind works. I, I remember like old." cable TV interviews from like the early two thousands or mid two thousands. And uh, Larry Kudlow was talking to Pat Buchanan about trade deficits. And again, Pat Buchanan proven to be right. Uh, oh, must be maddening. Like he has been right about so much for so long. And then no one cares. I, I kind of feel a little bit of that uh, because I've been right about so much. And I'm so far ahead uh, usually, and this isn't an ego thing, but I'm, I'm just tend to it. By the way, it's not an ego thing because it doesn't inflate my ego because nobody cares. But I I have been right about a lot and watching that transpire and then people look around and go, oh, yeah, you're right about that. But we're talking like way out. Well, Pat Buchanan was talking about what was going to happen to the U.S. economy when we keep having these massive trade deficits. And again, we didn't run a trade deficit in this country until 1973. We never ran one before. We were the manufacturing marvel of mankind. We're the arsenal of democracy. We made everything. You know, Detroit turning things out. We had the what used to be in the heartland. It's now called the Rust Belt. We would make things and would send them out all over the world, and we had a living wage. And oh gosh, that was a very quaint time. Now you look back, and we've thrown our workers into this. Darwinian contest of survival of the fittest with slave labor and these big multinational corporations just, you know, try to bring the products back in cheap, you know, stack it deep and sell it cheap. And that's what we became a consumer economy. We all of that went inverse to building wealth. You know, you, a, a great nation will rise on sound money and economic nationalism, and it will decline on fiat currency and free trade agreements. And that's what Pat Buchanan was saying. I mean, it's you know, all through the years and Larry Kudlow, I'll never forget, kept just interrupting him and, you know, he said, but Pat, you know, the numbers are X, Y, and Z and the stock market's doing this. And I remember Pat just said, Larry, I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about 10, 20 years from now when we see the hollowing out of what was left of a production economy. And I remember even when I ran for office, you know, 10, 11 years ago, I was talking about a trillion dollar trade deficit that was on the horizon. I got laughed at. Guess what? We hit that. People thought I was, that's too big of a number. What are you even talking about? What's a trade deficit? Where does the money go? It's the largest transfer of wealth in human history. It went somewhere, but it's not into your pocket and certainly not into the wealth of the United States. So here we are, you got Larry Kudlow saying that the Biden economy is hot, red hot. I'm Paul Krugman saying the same thing. Everything's doing great. And we we are making again, the record oil production. And this is probably things take time. This is probably a remnant of some deregulation that happened post 2017. Let's just be honest. There was probably a lot of investment. There was a lot of infrastructure put in. Uh, Things were a lot hotter than now. We're seeing some payback because this is it takes years. So you're probably seeing a little bit of a bump. Uh, But the future is not, uh, unfortunately, unless there's a drastic change. It needs to be. I will hope that it is, but I don't see it. it. Needs to be U.S. production on energy and leading on energy. But we're shackled and hobbled by the globalist goblins that run most of this country at this point. So I don't see that's how that's even possible. All right, let's, so again, in that, in that line of logic, let me take you to an article that I saw on on this very thing, which was about inflation. And this was a a link. Let me turn this screen off. This was a link that was on Drudge. And I thought it went really well with the economy's doing fantastic. Let's see. Um, again, uh, Americans are finally getting a break from inflation with prices for gasoline, used cars, and health insurance all falling over the past year, relieving families and booing, booing President Biden's 2024 election uh, bid. But prices painfully remain high for one particular frequent purchase, groceries. Grocery prices have jumped 25% over the past four years, outpacing overall inflation of 19% during the same period. While prices of appliances, smartphones, and a smattering of other goods have declined. Groceries got slightly more expensive last year with particularly sharp jumps for beef, sugar, and juice among other items. Stubbornly, High grocery prices represent a critical drain on the finances of tens of millions of people, and remain, along with housing, perhaps the most persistent economic challenge for the Biden administration. Americans, uh, let's, the economy is back on solid footing, right? Well, the the reason, and there's this, has to do with supply and demand, and the the true. Face of inflation. The true representation of inflation would be in your groceries, because that's the most real-time uh, supply chain to market to shelf to to cash register to your home. That is the most up-to-date, real-time representation of price hikes. That's why that is that way. Now you could have, you know, you could have certain deals. Maybe they did an overproduction of cars. Demand is down. See, people still buy food, but these other items, appliances, demand is down. When demand is down, there isn't as much production. Again, this is economics 101. So the true inflation is always going to be in the most immediate items because we had a supply chain, a controlled demolition of that supply chain. That's what 2020 was all about. It was a controlled demolition. Of small business, remember you were told you were not essential. Oh, big box was essential, you know, just the big multinationals. You were not essential. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses shut down. Right, that's what that when President Fauci. By the way, if and I say this last week, but if if Trump is reelected, does Fauci automatically become president, or do we have to wait? But under President Fauci, we had the lockdowns, and we had you know, the uh, all of the the mandates that came with that and all the states and the petty potentates that came out and said, well, you're not essential and this is going to be shut down. Do you realize that the intricacies of an economy are built on supply chains? They're built off of things that the hidden hand, the forces of the market. This is Adam Smith. This is like from Wealth of Nations, 1776 stuff, like basic economic modalities. And yet we have all these, dead-eyed automatons that somehow make it up to the higher echelons and levers of power. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter. You can shut down this piece of the economy and people can just stay home and Netflix it and everything's going to be okay. No, there's so many things like the book, I pencil, like when you to, to get, you know, the, the wood for the pencil, the eraser, you know, the, the manufacturer who builds the, who actually produces the pencil, the lead, I mean, everything it all has to be sourced, and there's so many the intricacies just to make a pencil, right? And they, that's the same thing with a supply, a modern economy. And now we have on-time delivery and all these things. There's not this huge supply, so as you're talking about a, a stretched-out supply chain, of course that's going to be the most realistic representation of inflation. And once you've crossed that Rubicon, again, eighty percent. Of all the dollars ever created in the last, uh, since our 80%, since the beginning of this country until now, 80% of the dollars that were created were created in the last four years. Trillions upon trillions upon trillions. And don't get me started about the last quarter of 2019 that nobody ever talks about, which was the largest exodus of CEOs in history. What did they know? And of course, the Federal Reserve propping up, and that—not that just the Federal Reserve, not just our central bank, but central banks around the world—propping up the repo market. Six trillion, just from central bank in the United States, just from the Fed alone, in 2019. Nobody talks about that. That was before, you know, the first quarter of of 2020, when everything, you know, when you got the, got the, the Great Reset. And make no mistake, that's what it is, you know. It's a plan. So now you've got inflation. It's here to stay because you lost the purchasing power of the dollar. It's not going to get under control. You can't put the, again, the genie doesn't go back in the bottle. The horse is out of the barn. I don't know how many other metaphors. I've got lots of metaphors. But that's, that's the general overview of it. And it's interesting that you see these same kind of articles. Like, I, I just, I like the dichotomy. I like to see... Larry Kudlow on one side saying, uh, you know, the economy is red hot. I was wrong. This is great. And then on the other side, well, things are really getting better, but groceries are still so high. And inflation is hurting everyone Yeah, because everybody eats, but not everybody needs a TV. Not everybody needs a cell phone or a new one anyway. And a lot of times people are bargain shopping. Not everybody needs a, a used car. Some people are just repairing cars. Getting along with what they already had, but this economy is not red hot. This economy is in no way, shape, or form healthy. It's not built on production. It's not. It's not inviting innovation. Have you, have you seen our cities? Have you seen the results? You know, again, this is the the end game of a Cloward and Piven moment. You know, the economists Cloward and Piven back in the 1960s, I believe that it was the University of Chicago. And they had this idea that, well, if you really want a true socialist state, then we have to bypass all these, you know, we we can't just put, uh, it can't be just be social security and it can't be the welfare state or the, you know, the safety net. It needs to be full socialist. But how do we get there? Well, Cloward and Piven, where you get the terminology is where they just decided let's just overload and destroy the system. Like let's put everybody on the rolls. Let's bankrupt the system so we can start anew. That's what Cloward and Piven is. So are you recognizing this strategy by the, by people like George Soros? I mean, if you're a billionaire, why would you fund things that are anti-business? Do do the comment? Did I just ask a question that's beyond Fox News comprehension? (laughs) But if you're a billionaire or trillionaires, because there are trillionaires, folks, uh, why would you support things that are anti-free market? Why would you support you know hiring DAs or funding these elections of district attorneys all across the country strategically to make sure that there's just roving gangs of people? taking things out of Walgreens and CBS's and Target and, you know, again, looting and total destruction. Why would you do that? Well, the reason is, is because that's what the world's richest people always do. They don't believe in free markets. They use that system to get their wealth or it's generational. And then they fund communism. That's what they do. I'm not talking about your average billionaire. I'm talking about, the elite. And again, George Soros is an agent on behalf of the House of Rothschild. This is just a, a direct linkage there. So that's what you're seeing. And this is Cloward and Piven. And the border is Cloward and Piven, but it's Cloward and Piven internationally. We're putting strain on the system. The calls are coming from inside the house. The, the, the strain is there to break it it's not to just usher. It's not about ideas, What you have to understand. It's not about ideas. San Francisco, the DAs are hired out there. It's not about ideas. It has nothing to do with ideas. It's about destruction. It's about, you know, why do they fund certain politicians who don't believe in anything? Cloward and Piven. Like we can play, I can play you clips all day long of Joe Biden coming out for borders, coming out for sensible, you know, uh, tax reform, anything. I mean, and now he's just the head of, uh, <laughs> what is he? The head of the, the globalist operations in the United States. He believes in nothing. It's to- total nihilism. What, what does it even mean? What does a Biden administration mean? It just means that there, we're going to carry out the orders of Davos, the World Economic Forum. That's what it is. And it's Cloud and Piven. All right, I'll... uh. See if there's anybody in the Rockfin chat. I wasn't able to get over onto uh, freeworld.fm today. I see uh, Jackson T Barrett is on the the Twitter chat. Thank you. Thank you Jackson. Appreciate you uh joining the uh joining the show. And I see well, over on uh, Rockfin There's, there's Ga- I know it's a different time. Uh see Aaron Gale and uh Gammy. Gammy's in the chat. Thank you for uh for being here, guys. It really means a lot to me. Uh, that's right. It, it, Jackson T. Barrett. We have to put everyone back to work in the energy sector. I'm all about that. <laughs> Starve to death so you can buy a cheaper smartphone. That's about right. <laughs> happy Happy Friday to you, my friend. All right. Well, let's jump around a little bit here. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit of foreign policy, and then we'll talk a little bit more about internal economic issues, and maybe close with the with a little bit of Groundhog Day. Let me uh, let me get this up on the screen. But while we're concerned with what's happening internally in the border, there's th- there's rumblings. Always remember when something is going on when you're inundated with a particular subject matter in the news cycle, always look to see what else is happening. And I'm starting to, again, I'm always very sensitive to this, but the the war drums, you have to be careful. And this is authored by Dave DeCamp at antiwar.com. I found this up on Zero Hedge. And this is Rep. Thomas Massey hints at impeachment if Biden starts a war with Iran. Uh, Thomas Massey of Kentucky on Wednesday appeared to threaten to pursue the impeachment of President Biden if he started a war with Iran. Massey posted a video from 2007 on X of then-Senator Biden threatening President George W. Bush with impeachment if he went to war with Iran without congressional approval. I made it clear to the president that if he makes takes this nation to war with Iran without a congressional approval, I will make it my business to impeach him. This is what Biden said in the video in 2007. In his post, Massey wrote in 2007, Senator Biden put the president on notice that he would impeach him for going to war with Iran without congressional approval. Massey's post uh, came amid reports that President Biden is planning to launch a weeks-long bombing campaign that could target Iranian assets outside of Iran in response to the drone attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. troops. The Pentagon has admitted it has no evidence Iran was involved in the drone attack beyond its arming of the Shia militias the U.S. believes was responsible. Another Comment Biden made during the Trump administration related to Iran has surfaced amid the tensions. Let's be clear: Donald Trump does not have the authority to take us to war without to Iran uh, with war with Iran without congressional approval. A president should never take this nation to war without the informed consent of the American people. Well, it's very convenient, isn't it? It's very convenient. You guys want to hear the clip? Here, I'll play it. And I want to make it clear. And I made it clear to the president that if he takes a nation to war in Iran without congressional approval, I will make it my business to impeach him. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's the same guy. You know, we're told. By candidate Biden at the same time that he believes in a border and believes in sovereignty and. These are just politicos, folks. It's not real. You know, you learn that. It's like you get the the glasses on they live and you put them on and you go, "Oh, okay, so you don't really believe in anything. You just believe in yourself or you believe in your own power in this realm." Like it's not we've got a problem in in our modern era. And maybe it's an error, but we have a problem. This is, you know, what I opened up on the show talking about politicos people that identify as politicos, you have to be very careful. These people are not going to ever fulfill their promises. They are not your friends. They don't believe in anything. These are not ideologues. Not really. And ideologues have their own place, but at least you know what they believe in. At least they're 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 from the heart. You know that's the that was the difference between um Leon Trotsky and Stalin. You see, Stalin, and you get the name you know, that he was the Stalin means steel. And uh, he came up with that name. He gave, he gave himself his own name as uh, meaning steel. But, you know, Leon Trotsky, who also had a different name, but Trotsky uh, was all about the revolution, all about worldwide communism, all about spreading that and liberation and That was his raison d'etre. That was his, he had found his calling in in the depths of existential despair. He's found, you know, being a revolutionary. And it was, that was what consumed him. But he was not necessarily a tactician, not necessarily organized, but he believed things. And so the difference was Stalin, who would eventually rise to power, was, you, you talk about the banality of evil. like. It was cold calculating, you know, like the way you describe uh, the the death camps in World War II, where you have like this little bureaucrat on a typewriter just putting your name into different uh, categories and putting you in a file, then putting you in a train car, then, you know, liquidating you. Train, you know, as the (laughs) trains off to the east. That's the banality of evil. And then, the administrative part of that was very much Stalin. Stalin was organized, cold, calculating, didn't really believe in anything except his own power. Whereas Leon Trotsky was all about revolution. So could you trust either one of them? No. But the whole point was at least Trotsky believed in something. you know, And that's why Stalin had him murdered in Mexico with an ice pick in the 1930s, uh, had him taken out he was a threat to Stalin's ordered regime, you know, very much top down, authoritarian, tyrannical, but cold, cold and calculating. And, and I, I read a, a story years ago that, uh, supposedly Khrushchev and a couple other key members were in the room when S- Stalin had a stroke and he couldn't, he was, you know, couldn't, uh, get get a breath in or is just sitting there dying and they just watched him die. Like literally just cold calculate. So that all comes back on you. Eventually, you know, we all owe, we all owe a death. We all owe a debt. We can't, you know, nobody gets out of life alive. So it's, it's interesting. These people that are consumed with power and consumed with all the things in the, in the world. And then you leave with nothing. Everybody leaves the same thing nothing. And it's, it seems so very sad to me. You get caught up in it. But you you're better off believing in something, right? You know it's it's uh, you can still be a, a monster and believe in something. But it, it, there's there is a certain satanic quality to somebody who doesn't. That's like when I who doesn't feel. It's like uh, when I talk about the Book of Revelation with people, and people want to figure out what the the Antichrist will look like, and I keep thinking what maybe it's just the AI, you know, what's the, what's the most antichrist thing you can imagine. It's like a cold calculating machine without emotion. And, uh, uh, that's the closest thing that we're, we're going to see is, uh, as far as the, the complete opposite polar opposite of Christ is going to be a machine. And so that's something to think about. And again, there, there is evil lurking, in uh, the void of someone who doesn't know who they are. All right. Let's keep going down the headlines. By the way, we will get to a little, I'll I'll get to a little bit more talk on Groundhog Day. but I wanted to cover some headlines. This is naturalnews.com. Another blow to the food supply explosion. And subsequent fire devastate Texas chicken plant. It, is anybody noticing a pattern here? <laughs> anybody, anybody know, noticing that we are getting? And again, this was what is it like a hundred and fifty or more different incidents? Remember, planes were flying in to food, <laughs> food, food manufacturers. I mean, literally two different planes over the last couple of years and there's fires and I want to get in. A, a chicken farm in Texas has been hit by an explosion and subsequent blaze causing another blow to the food supply. My San Antonio News, my SA News reported that the feathercrest farms located out the, outside the city of College Station was damaged by an explosion on January 29th. The fire was reported around 5 p.m. on January 29th with flames engulfing two buildings. Firefighters were still at the scene the following day trying to fight the fire that happened post-explosion. Numerous departments and firefighters, along with other emergency personnel, are on the scene, said separate report by 100% fed up. Black plumes of smoke and flames are visible for miles. It's currently unknown if anyone is injured or how the fire started. According to one American news, Brazos County Sheriff Wayne Dickey has reported that the highway 21 is reduced to the one lane and that dim Democrat road is now closed. Well, it seemed that's a pretty, that's a pretty substantial fire. You wonder how with all, when you're a, commercial plant and you have all of the the codes you have to meet and all the regulation and all the insurance how do you get a fire that big i mean is it possible i'm sure but that is the issue right is we are watching and this is the open question are we are we having some sort of coordinated effort to hobble the food supply in this country. This is an open question. I mean, even people like Tucker Carlson have asked this question. Yeah. Jackson Barrett in the chat says, don't insurance companies require a surveillance system? Yes. So do prisons though. (laughs) That's, that's why you, uh, all the, remember you had a catastrophic failure of cameras for Jeffrey Epstein's cell? No injuries reported at Feathercrest Farms fire. Well, that's good. Upon arrival, there were two buildings on Feathercrest Farms property. At this time, the fire is contained to the two buildings. They've been in operation since the 1950s, but was purchased by the Barrett family since the 1970s. Yes. There's something weird with this. I, you know, and I know natural news picked it up, but that's just, that always, that always makes me skeptical. when I read a headline like that and it hasn't been, I haven't seen as many of these in the last year, but there was a time when we started seeing, it was just multiple ones over and over and over again. So stay frosty out there. This is, we, we are definitely in, I need to get back to talking about welcome to tomorrow. I used to do that when I would open up my show in San Antonio in 2018, 2019, because I felt like we were on the precipice of this new era and uh, it would be much like what we're watching now. And now that we're in the thick of it, it is, I mean, even when you're prepared for it is absolutely insane. The headlines, the strangeness, uh, it 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 does feel like we're in a bit of a, and I think it's this, you know, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, you do feel like you're in a bit of a simulation because you see all in the fourth turning, when you're in a fourth turning, you will start seeing like old institutions, what you believed in, what you, you know, again, the foundation of your reality, some of those things start to come apart. And that's why it's important uh, to have, and we're going to talk here in a second on Groundhog Day uh a, a an inward reflection time to meditate time to talk with god and 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 center yourself and this is something i even struggle with with everything going on as much as i'm trying to do and just staying healthy you know that's why i come in on air and talk to all of you guys i haven't missed a show in a while and i appreciate all of you sticking with me um but there's just so much to talk about really get getting to the heart of what your mission is, what your purpose is, and trying to navigate all these things at the same time. It's its a task, but we're here for a reason, right? All right, let's, uh, I was going to talk a little bit about gold. And if you guys tune in on Monday uh, for the Gold Golden Crypto Show, I'm going to put an interview I did with uh, the great David Knight, uh, I'm going to put, uh, that Thursday interview up. I did yesterday on the feed a little bit later. We're going to take Don Jeffries live, uh, on the American plug channel here very soon as well. I, I produce for Don, uh, every Friday. Uh, it's one of a great honor. I'm able to, uh, to help Don get live every Friday and, uh, well, I might jump on his show too, um. But uh, lots of new stuff hitting the feed, so be sure and subscribe to the podcast channels. All right, let's, let's jump in a little bit to the Groundhog Day, the philosophy of that. And I was quoting when I opened up the show. I was uh, quoting the poem that uh, Andy McDowell's character when you know it's about a quarter through the movie she takes on uh, phil Connors, and you know he just acting's just you know he's again he's uh, out of his mind because he wakes up and it's the same day over and over again and she quotes i think it's walter scott it says the wretch consented all in self living shall forfeit forfeit fair renown, and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung. And I always thought that was interesting because he makes fun of it. But then later in the movie, you see him reading poetry, and he goes from being suicidal, he hates where he lives, he hates the... uh, just everything about it. You know, he hates the the situation and, you know, just giving up on life. And then you see him start to make a change. And I always thought this was interesting. It's, it's a lesson for, for everyone. He, he lets go of what, because he really wants to be with Andy McDowell's character. And, that consumes him and it's, you know, he regrets his past actions. He regrets he, who he was the day before because he can't, he can't make any progress because every day starts over and over again. So he can't, he can't make any progress with her. He finally he tries everything else. It's not money. Like he can rob all the stores, you know, he takes the, takes the bank money from the security guards, you know, just whatever he can get away with in that 24 hours, he does it. And, and you know, he always fills his life with excess. And that the money doesn't do it. The getting away with everything doesn't do it. Uh, he can't do anything with, you know, and make any progress with Andy McDowell. It always ends badly. So finally he just decides that he's going to culture himself and work on himself. It's it's the last, it's like not looking for external things and becoming the, the best version of himself. And if you've ever watched them, I mean, it came out in 1993, so I don't think I'm spoiling it for anyone. I want to read a little bit of this article, though. It says, um, for the Greek thinker Aristotle, virtue can be understood as a kind of practical wisdom that develops from habit. By repeating good actions, sooner or later we condition ourselves to perform them more naturally. That's what Aristotle said, you know, success, excellence is a habit. They become an inseparable part of our character. So the act of kindness are expected to manifest themselves by inertia whenever necessary. He who is virtuous in the Aristotelian sense will always know what to say and do no matter what the situation. According to the philosopher, we should all aspire to be virtuous. It is part of our nature. That that being the case, deep down in our souls, we have to desire to improve as people. And then, of course, he asks Aristotle always asks, well, "What is the good?" For Aristotle, good is always the middle point between two extremes. Uh, this was known uh, as the, the golden mean, uh, something that the Greek philosopher Aristotle talked about, hitting the not too too far one way or the other, just right down the middle. The the golden mean. So, how does this philosophy relate to Groundhog Day? Phil is the perfect representation of Aristotelian virtue. The protagonist of the film embodies the figure we all want to become. Phil has been through emotional ups and downs. However, thanks to his dedication to cultivating morally good habits during the, his repetitive confinement in Punxsutawney, he managed to hone his character. At the end of the film, he's a happy person. And when it gets to this point, the spell of time is broken. The day on a loop comes to an end, and just like that, we realize something. Phil learned his lesson, and he has now mastered the art of living. Here the movie's plot gives way uh, to what would arguably be one of the broadest character arcs in the history of cinema. That's right. At the the conclusion of the show, he reached the pinnacle of humanity. Aristotle calls this goal uh, eudaimonia. The concept refers to the tranquility that is proper to a life well-lived, as uh, flourished as it is transcendent. It's precisely this happiness, this last existential frontier that all human beings should aspire to achieve. It's the joy of sleeping peacefully and contentedly. It's being aware that every day you fought to be the best possible version of yourself. The metaphysical relationships with the ordeals of everyday life, make up the essence of reality as we know it. I, I liked the, the breakdown here of the philosophy of Groundhog Day very much. I thought it was an interesting uh, interesting take, and it's how I've felt for a long time. Uh, how the, uh, the lesson there is, is that it's not an external thing that is going to bring us peace and happiness and and fulfillment it's we have to look inward and when you look inward you're really talking to god because your subconscious your spirit your soul that's your connection to to the divine and it's it is very difficult in our modern times with all the electronics and with everything we're hooked up to it's very difficult to go inward, to separate yourself from the little black mirrors we carry around or from the screens or from the problems that manifest all the time and then pop up in our everyday experience. It gets us away from truly working on ourselves. But that's that's the whole reveal, right? It's the last place you'd look because you're always looking. Like if you You know, you read the, I think Lao Tzu wrote about this, the Chinese philosopher, you know, more than 2,000 years ago. If you want to create a different world, you create a different self. And that's where we we're taught in schools and we're taught in the modern society that it's all outward, it's all external, but it's really internal. And what we become, what we think about, what you are internally manifest in the third dimension. It's pretty magical because God gives you that. It gives you that ability does even but see even if you know it and you don't practice it it doesn't mean anything even if you know it like me i know this but i have to constantly constantly practice it where i realize that i have to work on me i have to work on how i react to things or my improvement becoming a better person and that that in turn is the only way that I'll ever create a better external is to work on the internal. That's what groundhog day is about. Okay. (laughs) Did I, did I lose anybody there? All right, folks, let's go over uh, a little bit of philosophical. You never know what you're going to find here on the the transmission. Uh, Let me go over some gold and silver prices and then plug a little bit. I just, um, just bought a, one ounce gold bar before we went live here at the shop and i noticed what spot was so let's let's take a look at goldprice.org yeah the spot price for gold 2037 dollars luciferian baxter notes make one troy ounce of the yellow metal 2037 and of course, silver is down 49 cents, uh, $22.67. A ridiculous price for silver, way cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. You can uh, you can get gold and silver delivered directly to your door by going to wolfpack.gold. And I built wolfpack.gold. It's the inverse, it's the it's the opposite of what A lot of the gold companies, the big, the majors do. I'm looking for everyday people. I can do the whales. I can do the big stuff. We do the big transactions too, uh, no transactions too big or too small. But I learned this early on is when I bought my first gold coin and started getting my first little bit of silver, I was just not happy with how I was being treated because I didn't have a lot of money. And I built this, I built Wolfpack.gold. You can go there and check out our monthly membership program. Go and check this out. You can start as little as fifty dollars a month, and we have even a one for kids called Wolf Cub. It's thirty-five dollars a month. Uh, try it out. Try it once. Uh, there's no contract, but we have a membership. It automat. It's automatic. It goes all the way up to a thousand plus, from fifty bucks to a thousand plus and we pick your metals for you. We give you a significant savings. We do a comparison invoice. I was working with uh, Yekka this week. Yekka's been helping me. Those, you know Yekka from her podcast and the Eat Meat Queen. She's been helping uh, Wise Wolf and done a great job. She's been helping with the site. And uh, we we worked together yesterday and put together some invoices. And I'm really proud of the, the orders that are going out. We have about 150, I think, going out today. So go check that helps the show. If you're a broadcaster and you're interested in being an affiliate, please reach out to me. I'm, I'm busy. Uh, I need to find more time to get more affiliates going, but we've got a program for affiliates too. So go check that out wolfpack.gold. And, uh, I've talked a lot about, you know, the changes coming for all of us with, uh, new regulations and taxation and, Folks, uh, I've been with legal shield for 20 plus years. My grandfather got me into the, that business and, uh, I've been with them for, again, since 2002, uh, it's a magnificent product, 30 bucks a month, protect you and your family, unlimited access to, uh, law firms in your state, all 50 states and Canada, uh, it's unlimited, uh, access and you get, uh, IRS audit protection, you get your will done. That's just included in the price. Uh, lawsuit protection. Just put a shield around your family, and uh, we have the way that you can check that out. That's People'sProtectionPlan.com. People'sProtectionPlan.com. Go check that out. Okay. I see. Chuck Ocelli's in the chat. Tony just rounded that out. Nice. Well, thank you, Chuck. I don't. I hope I rounded it out, uh, my friend. Thank you for uh, the great Chuck Ocelli's in the chat. Thanks. Thanks for being here, Chuck. Well, all right. We're going to get out of here, folks. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, it always means a lot to me. Got some great shows coming up next week. I'll probably do the transmission on a different day because I'm going to be speaking at Anarchapoko. I'm uh, privileged. What an honor to be part of Anarchapoco. I'll be there uh, on speaking on Valentine's Day, of all things. So um, go check out the website, Anarchapoko. Maybe you can still make a trip down there. I uh, will be talking to the crypto, the, the cryptosphere, the libertarians, the anarchists, all my, all my people. Anyway, we'll be there. So uh, appreciate all of you. And from uh, the staff here at Branson and Beans the Brave, uh, take care of each other. End of transmission.